What was he going to do? Beat I, you up? I actually think it is the Cork accent. I'm not going to lie. I, like, there is something about the Cork accent that makes it the most intimidating accent, accent of the 32 counties in Ireland, I think. OTB AM. Live. Weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Right, you're very welcome on to this week's episode of the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, by the way. I'm delighted to welcome David Connolly to the show. Phil Egan is with me as well. David, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Very well, you? Yeah, good. Um, before we get into the big games, and I'm not going to spend too much longer on Ireland because uh, we'll get killed because there are very big games to talk about in the Premier League. What was your takeaway from the Ireland performance midweek? Um, look, I, yeah, I guess it's been done to death, right? But um, I'm 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 sort of glass half empty with it, really, because uh, I see a, a lot of good stuff, and I, and I see a lot of individual errors, which um, are kind of undermining a lot of the good work that's gone on you know so uh, I think I've spoken before I think you look at a lot of the goals we conceded outside the box uh, Cuevan's let a couple in Gavin has let a couple in um, avoidable goals you know we can pick through loads of different parts of, of performances but ultimately you know just a couple of individual areas are, are sort of uh, you know I think sort of undoing a lot of good work so you know I'm, I'm pretty sort of uh, you know, I'm pretty upbeat about it. And uh, look, we can go over, say, Connor's impact when he come on, you know, square pass, etc. All these little individual errors, but I don't think you can get away from what I think is a lot of good work that's going on. And, uh, um, you know, they got the victory in the end, I know that. But I think a couple of wrong starting selections, I think, for the Scotland game, I think didn't help. But I think he got his team right for the for the for the second game. I would have just left Malumbi on, to be honest, and gave him a talking to. I wouldn't have necessarily taken him off. But you know, look, these are decisions that that kind of uh, Stephen's there to make. Do you think Malumbi not being on has an impact on the players in midfield not being closed down, and then the shots are allowed to happen? Well, that, that's kind of a direct correlation. Well, you can't, I'm not going to pinpoint one thing. Look, this has happened. We'll probably talk about United, but I remember when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think Fred was on a yellow and I think he I think he left him on and then he, he got sent off and it cost him. Now that in the back of in the back of your mind as a manager, you're always worried, what if I take him, you know, what if he stays on and he ends up getting sent off? However, you know, do you learn more about the, the, the player when you pull him over to the side and give him a stern talking and say, Look, you know, because uh, you can't keep taking players off when they're on a booking. And I know he probably he's probably the right thing to do, right? But my point being, you can't keep taking fullbacks off if they're on a book in midfield as if they look like they they were sent off. I think you're best off just talking to them and 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 just keeping them on the pitch. Because yeah. I think I think our starting team and twelve and thirteen, you know, the lads are playing, playing. You know, and those that aren't playing, I think they they got into the groove of the game. You know, like by the second game around. But I don't think you need to be like a kid here and take the take the players off. That's like interesting. Yeah, I like. I, I and here's the thing, right? If he'd been sent off and Ireland had been down to ten men, the likelihood is they would have organised themselves defensively and not been cavalier going forward, and we would have held out for a two 0 win because every, everybody would have dropped back two low blocks. 
run your run your legs off and away we go it's a, an interesting kind of thought experiment yeah you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't I did feel like we I think we can all agree that he was blessed to still be on the pitch so you can see why they just thought right like he is just anything that he does now he's going to get a yellow card and I mean it wouldn't be unlike opposition players as well to try and entice Wind him into up, that yeah. yeah so I can understand why they took him off there was a few uh, selections I'd would agree. we have won the game 2-0 if, they'd had it, if we'd had a man sent off at that stage possibly do you like, know what I mean like we would have completely okay like what we have we hold that's yeah. grand and like it is wild that we're conceding goals from outside the box yeah. so regularly when all of football apart from like this one small group who follow data are like don't shoot don't shoot don't shoot yeah. And uh, it turns out shooting. We should be saving them. Hey, we should be saving. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I was lucky with the goalkeepers when I played, but we had incredible goalkeepers. You know, obviously Shea was the, the the main man. And I look at the goal against Ukraine at home. You know, um, I think Cleveland should have saved that. The direct free kick, uh, the two that Gavin let in. I think the first shot. I think he should have palmed it way past the post. Second yeah. one, he should have saved. Um, you know, maybe we're lucky like that, but these these sorts of individual errors, like I'm sure Phil will, will you, you know, there's not a lot wrong. The only thing I'd say on Stephen's management is I, I think he's too keen to do what is perceived right. So he kept, he started Michael. I wouldn't have started Michael in the first game. I would have brought him off the bench for the last half hour. He was right to start him in the second game, but I would have played those that were playing and introduced Michael off the bench to have an impact. But then I think taking Jason off, I think what he does, he pl- he does the right thing, you know, because Michael and Troy did well in June. June's a long time ago now. Mm. June's a long time ago. And, and I think that's a little bit dangerous and, 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 and it might be perceived to be the right thing because they did well last time. But, but, and I think that's only a couple of things I've noticed from his management. Maybe he's, you know, he's just doing what's perceived the right thing. Well, let's take Jason off just in case. Well, why don't we throw caution to the wind there and, and, and you know, think, well, if Jason stays on the pitch, he might be able to offer us more and I'll give him a stern talking to. You better not get, you better not let me down here. You know, one wrong move and you're, we're done for. And just seeing that, seeing, it was a gamble, but I, I think sometimes maybe Stephen's reluctant to gamble at times. It seems like he sometimes maybe does what's and perceived I, the right thing. Ironically, it was the defenders, it was the team continuing to gamble for the third goal, which would have been like, very nice, uh, you know, an L routine three 0 win would have been great to to back. One last thing before we leave this, and I'm, I'm, I promise it's the last question on this. Troy's finishing right. The the chance against Scotland is something that uh, he's going to live with for a while and, and probably replay in his head again and again. As a striker, what should he have done, and how does I he recover? You, I, t- I tell you what, he should have done. I've got a clip, exact same clip of Wayne Rooney in Euro twenty two thousand four running onto the ball, almost a carbon copy where. Rooney looks to the goalkeeper's left, but plays it to his right, almost like Troy did. When you break down how Troy missed that goal, when he strikes the ball, it's under his feet. His first touch is a bad one. His second touch is a bad one. It doesn't set himself properly. You look at Rooney's first touch. I think it was against Croatia. I can't remember, but I almost posted the clip on Twitter because it's a carbon copy his connection on the ball is a poor one. He scuffs it, but that's because of his first touch. There was a lot of similarities. And Troy had the header. Where was the header against? Was that away Ukraine, I think? I uh, can't remember. He had a decent chance, a header that he headed wide. I think he's had look, he's had a couple of chances, but I, I just think someone like a Scotty Hogan would have been better. You know, players, I think strikers are a bit different in, my, my, in, in all honesty. I think you pick strikers who 
you know, okay, you look at me in training, but I think form and control and your touch and your hold-up play and everything and your finishing ability does fluctuate with how how much game time you're getting, in my opinion. So and 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 yeah, I'd love to I'd love to put that clip up. It's almost a carbon copy, and and you could see the exact moment. Is first it uses Troy uses the outside of his right foot, which is fine to use, but it's the smallest part of your foot. And if you miscontrol it as he did, it ends up under your body. His second one was under his body. It wasn't out far enough in front of him. And by the time he struck the ball, it was almost under his hips. It wasn't in front of him a little bit. So he's meant his contact, he was coming down onto it like a sort of like a golf swing, yeah. a bad one. You, you can pour over it, but it's those little details which set him up for the finish, which was a scruffy one. Can you fix that? Yeah, you, you can fix that. But the point being, I guess, in these moments, because I've been in this position where you, you, you know, you get that opportunity and, you know, it's, you, 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 the fine margins of that very, very first touch, you know, being off that set you for the, either the next touch or the finish. Of course you can fix it, but in international football, you probably don't get that many chances. So that comes back to someone who is, I think, finishing regularly with those touches and setting themselves well. Like Scotty Hogan scored a really good goal by a great touch in a similar, although to the left-hand side of the pitch against West Brom. Um, and, you know, he got his two touches correct and the ball was out of his feet and he finished really well past uh, against West Brom. And I just think sometimes you just play those players that are playing and they look, you know, they're, they're doing it, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we'll, we've uh, another game in November, obviously, and then we'll, by that stage we'll know the group. Um, we'll come back to that. But it is a massive game of Premier League fixtures this weekend. We've had a flash poll up: who's going to finish higher in the league? Uh, Arsenal are on fifty-seven percent. Spurs are on forty-two percent. Is that are, are people a prisoner of the now, or do you think that's more than likely going to happen here, Phil? Um, I yeah, I think. Funny enough, like if if Spurs win tomorrow, they obviously go ahead of Arsenal. But there's been more talk about how impressive Arsenal have been this season whereas Spurs have just been very solid and you know they, they ground out that draw away to Chelsea and they're just very hard to break down so I'd still be leaning towards Spurs now, Spurs weren't playing well we kept getting told and then and Son couldn't kick Snow off a rope and then all of a sudden a bit of a turnaround like well, in fairness Leicester are a great team to play it's true if you want to get, get right back yeah. are they about to catapult forward though into like a period of good form here between now and the World Cup at least well the one thing and Conte talked about this in his press conferences he is worried about all these games that are coming because you saw they, they obviously they lost their opening group game in the Champions League this is something that his best spell as Chelsea manager was without European football they could just go full throttle week to week and they got the job done but he's got to juggle team selections out they obviously have developed that squad over the summer they've got plenty of options even yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about what attack he should go with tomorrow so I I think where Arsenal have an advantage is they've got Europa League so you can you can take out a lot of your frontliners for those Europa League games for the group stage anyway and then maybe in the latter stages you start picking a stronger one so I still think though that because Spurs will be a bit more solid in defence I'd be still leaning towards them if you were asking me who is going to finish ahead of who. Okay. Um, Arsenal versus Spurs is a half 12 kickoff. It's on BT Sport tomorrow morning, um, Saturday. What do you think is going to happen here, David? Uh, well, I tell you what, I watched Arsenal um, at Brentford live last week or the week before, you know, and they were, they were I've got to be honest, they were so impressive. 
um, in in every way. Uh, you know, Thomas Party in the middle of the park picked up everything, like every second ball. Um, they kept it really, really well. They had no Odegaard either. Um, uh, Jesus was a was a, a constant threat. His movement was superb, and I came away going, I tell you, what, I had newfound. Not that I didn't have respect for them, but I certainly had a newfound respect for how they played. Um, they're very aggressive. Um, they were excellent at the back. Two man mountains at centre half. Um, so, wow, they have. I mean, they have really, you know, really come on because they they sort of swatted Brentford aside with such ease. It was, I tell you, it was really, really impressive. You know, really impressive. You know, obviously they got Saka. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be hard pushed to think that Tottenham would finish above Arsenal, for example. I'd probably go against Phil here, although I really like Tottenham's front players. Um, I just I just looked at Arsenal, and yeah, I tell you what, they were they were excellent. It's very tight uh, at the top. Obviously, there's just a point between them. It's obviously, incredibly early in the season, and the run of games is going to get even more difficult because of the postponements. But very interesting to see exactly how Arsenal approached the game this week. Like. They're not going to sit back. They're not going to be conservative, are they? They they feel like a team who are kind of growing out of that, where when there is a home game and they'll be slight favourites for it, that they're actually going to be able to go out and try and inflict their game plan, David. Whereas in the past couple of seasons, it felt like sometimes Arteta didn't quite believe that he had the playing staff to do what he wanted them to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they've they've made some you know big calls, big signings. Um, you know, he's had to wade through an awful lot to get into sort of this. Sort of point, you know, whether they thin squad, but whether they needed to, you know, bring on the um, the the fifteen-year-old, whether they needed to uh, to do that. Namwari, I don't know, but uh, they they just look, uh, you know, they just look so so impressive. I got to say that, you know, it's kind of like a similar matchup in terms of Arsenal's two centre halves with the two holders in front of them, and Tottenham then have the same like that matchup, but. I guess for Tottenham, it, 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 I think there's a few more unknowns for Tottenham. Like, you know, will Son start? I mean, you know, who doesn't like Son? Who wouldn't want to see Son in the team? He scored for South Korea. You know, Richarlison obviously scored when he was away from Brazil. He looks a real threat. So who's going to miss out? I mean, I think Conte's got a, he's kind of got a big job on his hands in terms of an, a nice job, right? In terms of who starts. Yeah. It, it, looks, it looks like it's, if it's going to be anyone, it would be, uh, I would have thought, it would be Son and Michalison in behind Harry Harry Kane, but maybe he'll still stick with Kudizetia. I, I, I don't know, but it's a nice problem to have. Who do you pick? Yeah, no, I I think Kudelski might be left on the bench, but what an impact player to be able to bring on. I just think Richarlison obviously had that unsavoury scene playing for, for Brazil where someone threw a banana at him. And, you know, one thing you see with Richarlison is he's a very defiant character where he will be itching to go on tomorrow and prove a point that people aren't going to stop him doing what he does. And here he is now playing in a, like, you know, he's the kind of player you kind of want in a derby. I, I know at times the frustrations got the better of him in Merseyside derbies, but because he was playing in a very one-sided derby and he was on the wrong side, whereas Spurs and Arsenal is far closer. It's on a knife edge, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, like... I, if if Spurs win tomorrow, it doesn't surprise me. If Arsenal win tomorrow, it doesn't surprise me. And if it ends up a draw, again, there's there's no real surprise there. That you kind of imagine it's 
Arsenal are going to have plenty of the ball Spurs will be happy enough for that and then hit them on the break and that's where as good as Arsenal were in spells at Old Trafford look what happened to them when they got exposed on the counter attack by United and you could argue well I don't I think that's how Spurs are going to play Spurs are going to play like that yeah. and they have better attackers than Manchester United so, yeah. so the, the pattern of this game is going to be fairly similar to that game where you would expect Arsenal to have the bulk of possession and create some good early chances yeah. and if Spurs can keep them out then all of a sudden the longer the game goes on more likely Spurs are going to get something on the break yeah, I mean, just quickly on that, right? You know, it's interesting where Richarlison play. I mean, for Brazil, he's playing down through the middle, which which is interesting because in terms of uh, Harry Kane and how long he stays at Spurs, but it, it's almost like, you know, would Richarlison fill those boots when he when he does depart? And then obviously you've got Son and Kudazeski in behind. I think they've got that luxury now, Spurs, that they could play if Kane is out or whatever, that, that you know, let's just see if that ever happens. You know, previously, do you remember when Kane was out? Was it last season? Was it before that? Where then Son stepped up and bagged loads of goals. You know, I think now with Richarlison, uh, uh, I just wonder as well whether Tottenham have got that ability just to play. It could be Son as a nine. It could be Richarlison as a nine that they didn't kind of have before. So there's no doubt they're going to be they're going to be punching up there, right? In the, uh, but but, but uh, I think it's interesting because he can definitely, I think Richarlison can play that nine role. Yeah, and you can you can <clears throat> then rest Harry Kane in some big games or some smaller games if you need to. And I'm not talking about League Cup, you might be able to rest him for some Premier League games. You might even be able to rest him, ideally, as the group stages go on if, if you have to or leave him in reserve. Just one point about the, those three players, if you play them all at the same time, is the balance right? Is there is there any way that... Like they need to feel feel out the relationship that the three players will have, even just making the same runs or making different runs. And like, is there a world in which Harry Kane, who does like to play very deep sometimes, who isn't just a like yeah. old school Teddy Sheringham style number nine? Yeah, I mean the thing is, I think with Kulusevski and, and Harry Kane, they're, they're both not quick, quick. You know, um, I've seen Kulusevski live, and he's 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 fast, but he's not quick. He doesn't have he doesn't have the pace of a Son or a Richarlison. No way. So I think I think once you've got a Richarlison and a Son in there, that pace that they have. I mean, Kulusevski is very left-footed, isn't he? Predominantly left-footed. Um, you know, he plays that role really, really well. But he's a completely different sort of player, and he's nowhere near as direct as Son and Richarlison. You know, so um, but technically outstanding. Um, but you know, I think certainly the addition of Richarlison is—it's just an interesting dynamic because I, I wonder at Kane at some point will will not be fit and will the wheels fall off? And you could say that for Arsenal, right? If you know Jesus got injured, are the wheels going to fall off for them? Yeah, you, you know, it could be said the same. In Ketcher, he played the Europa League, didn't he? He scored. You know, would he would he fill the boots? Well, I think without Jesus, you'd say that Arsenal front line is is not as strong as Tottenham's. Brazil have some uh, good footballers just in time for the World Cup who are in good form. Yeah, and they're able to leave out Jesus. They're able to leave yeah. out the three Gabriels from Arsenal, Martinelli and Gabriel. It's not bad. Uh, actually, Gabriel, if if I'm Spurs, I'm looking at that side of the Arsenal defence. Obviously, Saliba's been unbelievable and he's been, he just looks like he's going to get better. But Gabriel with the ball at his feet, you kind of get nervous. You look at him and you think that he's going to do something silly and... He's he's somebody that wouldn't be classified as press resistant. Okay, let's move on to Liverpool. Give me predictions there. What do you think? You, you said you're not surprised of, of any of those outcomes, which is a nice way to sit in the fence. And uh, yeah, I think 
Oh, I, I actually... Yeah, I am going to sit in the fence and think and score a draw. Okay. These okay. games can be a bit sleepy at times as well because it's first game back. Or we, sometimes the team is 4 0 up in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, we need if we get an early goal, we could have. And the, these derbies, I think, I think I saw during the week that no derby has had more comebacks than, than this, this one. one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have you got a prediction, a strong inkling one way or another? Me? I'll, I'll, I'll go with Arsenal. Uh, narrow okay. goal, goal, goal margin. They'll win by a goal. Now, Liverpool-Brighton at 3 o'clock in Premier Sports is also a big game. Every game because of the start that Liverpool have had to the season. Now, they've been away for a long time. So, what do you think is going to happen? Have they got right? Or is the malaise so deep that even this break, this little mini pre-season that they've had, won't be good enough for them? Um, well, Thiago's obviously back. You saw the difference he made against Ajax. And Jota is back. That's massive for them. And Trent Alexander-Arnold is angry because he's basically gone away with He's out of the World Cup squad. Not a hope. You'd be surprised. So he's got a point to prove. um, And it's hard to know what to expect from Brighton. Obviously, Brighton are so good away from home under Graham Potter. Graham Potter's gone now to Zerbe's first uh, game in charge. What does he do? Does he just stick with the way they've played? I mean, he hasn't had much time with them. But it's... It's a game that Liverpool are going to have plenty of possession. They're going to create chances, but if they don't put them away, Brighton are the kind of team that will pick you off. I think back to the game last season where Liverpool were 2-0 up and seemed to be cruising and then Brighton just kept getting in behind that high line and eventually they got a goal and they got they got two. So they got they got a draw. So it's, it's a tricky game for, for Liverpool, but I think having Jota back is, is massive because Firmino drops all the time whereas Jota won't do that and if you look at the the Salah goal against Ajax that was made by Jota running with pace at the Ajax defence and he obviously laid the ball off to, to Salah it also takes pressure off Nunes who scored for Uruguay during the international break but I don't think the plan was ever to have Nunes start so early this was going to be your classic Jurgen Klopp bring him in show him what it's all about ease him in and then he'll come in two or three months and he'll hit the ground running. Obviously, that hasn't happened. No, no. OK, so uh, a big game, like because a new manager bounce might happen for Brighton. And Can you have a new manager bounce with a club that's lost the manager that they want. They didn't sack Graham Potter. Maybe. What? I don't know. Like do, uh, David, you'd be able to answer this. As a player, if you're a Brighton player and things are going so well with Graham Potter and everyone's talking about you and then he's gone. Ooh. What does that do to a dressing room? Yeah, that's, that can be tough. And I think, um, uh, I mean, credit to Brighton because at least they've, they've got, they made an appointment and brought De Zerbi in, you know, pretty quickly, which I think was needed. But the last game was three weeks ago. Um, you know, it's a long time to sort of ponder and then wonder how things are going to go next. And I think, Graham, a lot of them might be thinking, will Graham come and get me? You know, am I going to end up at, at, at Chelsea, you oh, yeah. know, is, is there is there an opportunity for him to take some of us with him? I mean, those that have just joined would probably be feeling let down. Your Billy Gilmore's and, and players like that of this world thinking, well, hang on a minute, I, I kind of joined to play for you because make no mistake, you know, Graham Potter's standing was such that everyone, you know, I played with players that, that play under him and they say he's absolutely brilliant. So there'll be players joining Brighton to probably play under Graham and then he's gone. And you think, ah, oh, you know, where do we go now? And and obviously, he is key to how they 
have functioned as a as a team, as a, a, a you know, as a as a football club, as a relatively calm and stable football club, nothing ever comes out of Brighton, right? Any unhappy players, not one peep, nothing. You know, players are sold, they move on pretty quietly. He seems to have excellent man management, you know, and you just wonder how that's going to go with, I don't know, Deserby, Italian, you can't stereotype, you have no idea how he's going to, uh, well, unless you watch his previous um, uh, managerial appointments. I know he's had a lot of them, but there was mitigating circumstances in in a lot of them as well. But nonetheless, it's a big change from, from someone like Graham, who's been there for such a long time, and his whole coaching staff. So uh, uh, it's so hard to predict this one. Um, it's, it's really difficult to call because I think if you're, if you're a Brighton player or a fan, you know, you might be excited about him because you think, well, okay, well, they got Graham Potter's appointment, right? Mm. Maybe, you know, don't, this one will be right. We just don't know it yet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. On Sunday, Manchester City versus Manchester United. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff on Sky Sports. We've got Nathan and Brian Kerr on off the ball commentary for you on the radio. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's been kind of build up as can Manchester United stop Erling Haaland scoring three hat-tricks in a row at home. And this comes back to when Lissandro Martinez started and people questioned was he going to be big enough physically to play in the Premier League and that that has kind of gone away and now like it's it's resurfacing but since the Brentford game yeah yeah but he has played against Haaland before he was part of that Ajax team that beat Dortmund 4-0 so you know I'm I'm sure that will help but I suppose the difference now is is there one thing that we haven't really <clears throat> spoken about in that he clattered Gabriel Jesus and was it who was it uh, there was another game where somebody got completely taken out um, he should have given a penalty away against Brighton I remember um, I have a prediction that he's going to pretty early try and do Haaland <laughs> yeah possibly I mean he is a feisty character and he, he certainly has um, he defends very similarly he kind of reminds me uh, of his compatriot Gabriel Ince where did he know, do Salah as well Yes. Yeah, so it's Salah and Jesus he's done in, in like successive back-to-back yeah. big games where both of them afterwards were a little bit reticent about, oh, am I going to get kicked again? Yeah. I don't know if that works with Haaland. I mean, it'll be interesting. He's a slightly bigger individual. I mean, certainly, you know, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the yeah. fight in the dog. Absolutely. I, I think the difference, though, with the, the Ajax and Dortmund game is that city of De Bruyne and we know how good he is and they've already formed a, a relationship there on the pitch that is showing exactly why City wanted to bring in Erling Haaland now as good as City are they have there's been plenty of opportunities for opposing teams to get at them now it depends on Martial and Rashford have had success in this fixture in the past but they're both doubts so what does he do does he go with Alanga because he has pace does he maybe throw Christian Eriksen into the Bruno Fernandes position and play Fernandes as a false nine and then bring in someone like Casemiro as another holder. Yeah, it'd be interesting field. to see Casemiro play some football for Man United in a big in a big game, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean he's he's played in plenty of big games, so I, I wouldn't worry about him in that sense. But yeah, I I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw the blueprint that Solskjaer had to beat City in these big games at the Etihad, where they just frustrated City and they just hit them on the break. Yeah, uh, I David, don't know if they're good enough to do it. Well, that's the question. Will that work, David? Do you think? 
I, I think it's got a you know a, a, a very good chance. I mean, you know, say you look at say Maximan, for example. You know, the damage he caused Newcastle, not a lot of the ball. You know, could. Anthony, for example, do the same. Uh, you know, that is what I guess United will be looking for, that, you know, they've won games. You go back to the Arsenal game, I think they had, you know, whatever, 30-something percent of the ball. They're going to have the same tomorrow, right? And it's just whether, you know, they can hurt City on the counter-attack, which, yeah, absolutely they could. So, um, you know, and, and look, Aston Villa, you know, I guess made a change. When Villa played, they, they dropped one of their sort of creative midfielders, went certainly more solid and then what does United do do United do the same do they drop an Ericsson and then play a Casemiro as you've touched on go with two dogs of war in there but lose maybe a little bit of of sort of creativity I know Villa you know they had no Buendia they had no Coutinho they went with more dogs of war in the middle of the park and, and battled it out now United are better obviously but you know nonetheless I think that's a probably a decision that he's got to really think about. Does he stick with Ericsson and, and McTominay or does he add a Casemiro in there, you know, and maybe does he take... He's got to start picking Casemiro, right? Yeah, let's, but he can't, let's see him. You can't leave Ericsson out. Ericsson's been brilliant for United and even see his goal for Denmark against Well, they not Croatia. play very well together. Are they not like a good... Is that not a good partnership? Yeah, but I think there's levels where, you know, the Arsenal game... The, the Liverpool game Liverpool and, and Arsenal both had a lot of possession but if you give City that much possession they can hurt you a lot more so it, who's who's in the, is McTominay in the team ahead of Casemiro yeah at the yeah, moment he is, he is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he, yeah. It, that's not right surely that like oh, at, at some point you've got to go come on you're the world class player here and get him in no well I think I think I think the intention was probably I, I guess either to play with two holders you know so that would be Casemiro alongside McTominay. I would have imagined so. But probably, you know, how Ericsson's playing and how McTominay are playing, I think I think he's absolutely right that he doesn't change those two. You know, so... But why has he brought Casemiro? Well, he's, surely he's brought him to, to start football matches. Well, Maybe his arrival has kind of brought more out of those players yeah. that are there, knowing that he's obviously there ready to... You know, he's waiting for his chance and he's obviously not going to be waiting there too long, you know, but if the others are performing as they are, then, you know, Bruno's going to play, isn't he? Bruno's the new skipper or whatever. He's going to play as the number 10 in this role. So it's who the two holders are. And I guess, you know, they'll keep playing until, I don't know, does one of them get injured maybe, McTominay? There's, you know, a different game. If you were going to call any game to play two defensive midfielders, you would imagine this would be the game out of all the games this season. So... That's why I think the one decision is because it is almost, it is almost uh, Ericsson is undroppable at the minute, and so is McTominay. But if there's one game where he's going to change anything and deviate, it would be this one. So it'll be interesting whether he does or whether he sticks with those two players. You know, Ericsson and McTominay says no. You know, this is how we're going, and and you know. The, the, so this is the one game I think if he was ever going to change it, it would be now. And if okay. he doesn't, and maybe if there's if there's no forwards fit, he actually can play Bruno in that false nine role, and then you can get them all in the team, and it looks like everybody's yeah, yeah. happy. Yeah, and Ericsson is that player that 
just needs half a second to see a pass and he can play it on to someone running in behind that city defence it's a good it's a really exciting derby to look forward to for the first time between these two in a long time where you kind of feel like this, there's something important riding on it from, yeah from I mean if, if United win it's massive they would have picked off Liverpool, Arsenal and City and the, the kind of hope you would have had for United at the start of the season with Ten Hag was that they could compete in these big games and if they took nine points from those fixtures it would be sensational <laughs> yeah and then obviously they, they have to sort out the issue of beating teams that are going to sit in yeah. against them which um, you know that, that takes time but um, yeah no it would be quite the turnaround from losing the first two games having said all that who's going to win City okay David City, yeah. Yeah, all right. Leeds versus Aston Villa, Sunday, 2.15 on Sky Sports. Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham on commentary for this one. Um, Leeds have been in and out, up and down, inconsistent. Yeah. And they've, they, it, it's clear that they have a, a policy around signing players and those players looked brilliant at the start. A little bit of, they've had some injuries, so maybe we shouldn't overreact to this. But what's the story here? Well, I know Jesse Marsh isn't going to be in the dugout. He obviously, you know, he was... He said something you can't even say. Yeah, but he was all, Yeah, and he was, you know, he was living on the edge for the the last few games. He'd obviously he'd annoyed Bruno Lage, and yeah, I, I'd be interested. Do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if you could still hear him from the stand because uh, he's quite vocal. And then we know with Stephen Gerrard, like, he just seems like one bad result away from being shown the door. Or, but I also feel with Leeds because of how much Leeds fans worshipped Bielsa and Marsh said a few things last season which weren't the most sensible things to say on the record about Bielsa and the the, the fitness and the injury record and you know he kept them up so there was goodwill towards them at he the start He basically agreed with Karen Kearney right? I mean fundamentally that was what he was doing It's like yeah sometimes we run out of steam here Well yeah he just basically said they were running to the ground and look Jesse Marsh teams do a lot of running as well Yeah, but I think it was just some of the training, you know, those sessions that he that Bielsa is is famed for. A few bad results though for Leeds, and this is one of those. Uh, yeah, it really is. Managers it's, on the verge there's of the a couple of, There's a couple of fixtures like that over the weekend. I know we'll get into the other one as well, where you, you kind of you would fear for a losing manager. Yeah. Okay. And will there be a losing manager, or does this have boring nil all written all over it? Uh, if Phil are involved it's not going to be an exciting game not at the you, moment you know that Jim. I do unfortunately David what do you think is going to happen here yeah I mean look I think for, for Aston Villa all they cared about against Southampton because they worked on the game and it, it wasn't a good game it was dreadful um, was getting the three points because you know they got the, picked up the point against um, against City before that so for them four points out of those two games great now they're up against the lead side who you know they're not. They're certainly not as strong. I think you know they're probably hoping that you know probably Furpo and Ailing, if they're back fit, that will be you know a big boost for them. Um, Rodrigo as well. You know, so they've they've kind of you know they've got they're missing key players. I think you know Bamford. Um, you know, can he get back proper hundred percent match fit and get amongst the goals? You know, so I think they've got they've got players that will certainly improve them um, and make them. And make them better. And I think here for Aston Villa, if they probably get away from home, you know, keep the run going. If they've got a clean, another clean sheet, something like that, I think you you have sort of signs of improvement for them. Okay. The last game is uh, Leicester versus Forest. It's eight o'clock on Monday night, and as you were saying, managers who are up against it at the moment. Yeah, you have a manager who couldn't sign a player, 
against the, the manager. managers and far too many so many players now I feel for Brendan Rodgers because of basically having to go into the season with his hands tied behind his back now I would also say that he needs to get on with it and his squad of players shouldn't be at the bottom of the league they're really good they are like we saw the glimpses of them against Spurs in attack but they can't defend they're woeful from set pieces so it's whether Forrest can take advantage of that but yeah you would fear for Brendan Rodgers if they lost on Monday night this should be a five-all thriller on Monday night football David that's what I'm predicting here <laughs> yeah I mean um Geez, I, I mean, I know, I know Cashless Michael left because, uh, you know, apparently he would have stayed if he'd have got a similar contract, you know, but, but, you know, Nice sort of offered him three years on the same money or whatever, you know, he's, he's ended up at Nice, but, but nonetheless, you know, Danny Ward is, is really, really struggling, you know, in all areas of goalkeeping and, you can say what you want about other areas of the pitch. We touched on it for Ireland, conceding goals from distance. Uh, I, I, I think until they get their goalkeeper sorted, I think they're always at risk because Danny just doesn't look confident. He looks like, he's, in fact, his confidence is completely gone. And that is not going to get, that is not going to suddenly improve or get better. I think he's been thrust in as the number one here because Casper's left. And I don't, I'm, I'm just not sure he's ready for it and he should be ready obviously by now with his age and etc but I, I think they've I think they've made a huge mistake here not having an able deputy to come and step in and you know Forrest I think will be okay I know it's hard integrating all these new players but you know um, probably might suit him being away from home pressure's all on Leicester you know, will the crowd turn? East Midlands derby, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They've got all the talent, Leicester. But uh, I just fancy if, if Forrest, be, if I was them, I'd, I'd have it like a shoot on site policy. Yeah. You know, and and it's only when you watch that Danny, do you see that he's 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 finding it really really hard in goal. Um, so I think I think sort of yeah, difficult difficult times for for Leicester at the minute. But I I'm one of those. I think you know they've got a lot of good players and. You know they will improve. I, I I do think that. Although, less I've got what the worst start in Premier League history, which doesn't. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's look, it's another believe. good thing to yeah. put in a CV. I recovered from the worst start ever. You know. I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he'll be yeah. he'll be slow to tell us that, won't he? He won't. He'll barely point it out. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Good stuff, David Connolly. Thanks a million, Phil Egan. Thanks a million. The uh, football kickoff live every Friday around about half past eleven. With Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. See you next week. Take care. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.